Ladies and gentlemen, you found the program that pulls no punches, that knocks out political correctness, and delivers a right cross to defend the Constitution. We call it Fighting Words. And now, entering the ring, retired infantry colonel, trial lawyer, and fighter for truth and justice, Kurt Schlichter. Hey, this is Fighting Words, the Hugh Hewitt-affiliated podcast by Kurt Schlichter, not to be confused with my... Uh, how do I say it? FCC non-compliant podcast unredacted for Town Hall VIP members. You should go there and get on Town Hall VIP. We're doing lots of cool stuff. Friend of the show, Larry O'Connor, uh, Chris DeGaulle, and me are doing a, a little thingamajig on Thursday, April 2nd at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific. I guess that's where I am. Everybody else is back east. And uh, you should listen to that if you're a gold member. You can get in there. Use promo code KURT. So that's a thing. Anyway, a lot of stuff going on. A lot of great stuff on Hugh Hewitt's show. What I like to do with this podcast, uh, besides being a little more serious, a little less sweary than I am when I do the Unredacted podcast, I like to take themes that Hugh's developing and I like to move on with them. I also like to have my dog not barking all the time. Stop it! Goodness gracious. See, you get life as it's lived with, you know, you would think the dog after like 10 years would think, oh, it's the postman. He's probably harmless. But no, every day is a surprise. And every day is a surprise for our media. Holy cow, they're terrible. Just today, this is March 31st, uh, we watched a an amazing, frankly, news conference with the president and his team, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Bricks, uh, the vice president, other folks. And uh, it was pretty amazing and it was pretty sobering because the president, uh, for one thing, made it clear that this is we're in this for the long haul. This is not going to end at Easter. Easter, you know, he mentioned Easter before. And frankly, I love to hear that because I own a small business, too. This is not the only thing I do. I have a law firm and we're trying to keep things open. We're trying to keep paying our people. And there are millions of small businesses. You probably there's a decent chance you own one who are trying to do the same thing for your people. And when he said, hey, maybe we can be out of here by Easter, and it was like, oh, yeah, and I'm throwing my fist in the air like Judd Nelson at the end of uh, Breakfast Club. But such is not to be. And, you know, we keep hearing, yeah, you mean conservatives hate science, and you believe in Jesus, and, and, and it's science, and you did data, and, and you know, whatever. Well, the president changed his mind because of the data, and what he's seen is some projections. And the projections can be very bad at the top. It's over a million dead. The lower end of the projections, somewhere around 100,000. Again, it is not a guarantee of 100,000. That is the lower end of the projection. We're going to try and do better than that. Who knows? Maybe we will. I'm actually optimistic we will. In any case, the president said, look, we, we, you know, the projections are grim. Maybe a million dead. 
the low end of the projections. It's not a promise. It's not a goal. It's not an objection, uh, objective. It is the low end of the projections is something to the effect of 100,000. Think about that, 100,000 dead. You know what 100,000 dead is? That's two times the Vietnam War. That's 33 times 9-11. That's about 40 times Pearl Harbor. Now, this is a country of 330 million people. Uh, we, you know, about uh, seven or 8,000 people die a day in the United States, just through, through natural causes and other causes. Uh, but this, th this is a major thing. And, and now look, the, and the media, which is terrible, uh, followed up this very lengthy, very detailed press conference with, uh, you know, a lot of nonsense. It's an objective. It's, you know, president's objective is 100,000. That's not true. Stop it. You know, it's sad the way that the president is being treated. And look, I'm a Donald Trump supporter, and I have been since he got the nomination. Before that, I was a uh, Ted Cruz supporter. But, um, you know, in a lot of ways, the, 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 the media has not distinguished itself. And one of the interesting things about the Hugh Hewitt radio program is that Hugh reaches out to reporters who, you know, a hardcore conservative like me would not normally talk to. And I, I do talk to them when I guest host for Hugh. Uh, because that's a different vibe. I'm, you know, I'm a battle con usually, but uh, when I'm on there, I, I try and do what Hugh does. And Hugh does a very valuable service. Uh, what Hugh does is talk to people we conservatives typically don't talk to. And I think there's value to that, if only to learn what your opponent actually thinks, or at least what your opponent actually says he thinks. And um, I just, I don't understand why the media has chosen to do what it's done. I don't understand why some in the media have chosen to take these lengthy press conferences. And he, he sits up there for two hours, takes every question. Experts take every question. And that should be something that he's praised for. That should be, they should be going, look, I don't like the president, but boy, he's up there. He's providing transparent information. This is something the uh, that uh, he was talking about early. I wrote a town hall column called uh, Don't Let This Become Trump's Katrina, or words of that effect, on January 31st. I wouldn't say I was an immediate adopter, but I was an early adopter of coronavirus as a problem. And I said, look, you got to get out there. You've got to be transparent. You've got to get the experts out there. You've got to have daily news conferences, and sure as heck they're having it. And I detect the influence of uh, Hugh Hewitt radio program friend Robert O'Brien. Robert used to be a law partner of Hugh. Uh, he's a friend of mine. He is national security advisor. He is a great guy. You don't see him much because he is not the story, which is why he's so darn good. Uh, but he's very good at getting the information out there. And I think uh, I, I think they're doing a good job. I think they should be praised for it. And I think that the reporters really ought to take advantage of this. And some of them do. Look, he was up there for two hours and a lot of good questions. And there was some showboating. And that boy, that gets tiresome. It gets tiresome, and we don't need that now. Now, I'm not talking about a moral level, all right? Okay, you know, you know, we should all hold hands and sing kumbaya. Yeah, it's a disaster. It's a nightmare. We should all work together for a brighter tomorrow. I get that. That's all true. It's also irrelevant because human nature is at play, and humans don't always do 
the right thing. Humans often do what they think is in their best interest. And some people think, well, my best interest is to get like, uh, you know, some attention here by being obnoxious and trying to get a gotcha on the president. That's a bad strategy in a utilitarian way. I'm not talking good and evil. I'm not talking you're a bad person for doing that. You're not. I'm just saying, look, the American people really aren't looking for the gotchas now. What they're looking for is good, solid information that's going to tell them, how can I protect my family? When can we expect to get this quarantine stuff lifted? Are my family members going to die? How are we going to get through this? That's the stuff they want to find out. And I think that the media outlet that starts providing that information is going to do very, very well. I think a media outlet that starts giving people what they want rather than what they think people want, which is the kind of fake bogus drama that we see in normal times. And hey, I'm not against fake bogus drama. If you follow me on Twitter, you know I love to mix it up. I have no problem with mixing it up. My objection is not that it's immoral to mix it up. My objection is, gosh, you're being dumb. You're not giving the people what they want to listen to you. And, you know, Gannett, which puts out uh, USA Today, a bunch of other local newspapers, they just furloughed a bunch of their people. They just essentially fired a bunch of their people. You would think that the media would want an audience, and yet they seem to do things that make people go, I'm not listening to this anymore. You know, when you listen to... Again, back to Hugh. When you listen to Hugh, you get good, solid information. It's not always what you want to hear. But you get a positive message. And I don't mean fake cheerleading, although we're going to talk about fake cheerleading. We're going to talk about the importance of morale when we talk leadership, because Hugh had Stanley McChrystal on. I want to talk about that. Um, But I mean good information that's going to allow people to do things that help them. If you listen to Hugh Hewitt's show, you're better educated. You have ideas. You understand what we can do, you understand what your options are in a way that somebody listening to CNN simply won't. If you listen to CNN, you know, if you watch CNN, you know, if you're, you know, trapped in an airport lounge forever in, in some sort of, uh, you know, uh, a transit hub purgatory, you're not getting the whole picture. And you're not getting information you can use. You're getting Wolf Blitzer complaining. And that's just... It's just a bad idea. I think they're just I think they're just being foolish. So anyway, that's that's why I think about the media. That's why I think the, 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 why the media is really hurting itself. It's not in many cases not distinguishing itself. And the whole Chinese propaganda thing is just disgraceful. Now, I have a natural inclination to reject uh, making someone into the enemy. Okay? So when people start going, China's bad, China's bad, China's bad, I'm like, okay. You know, I, I want to know more before I start jumping on the China. And I think China's done a lot of bad things. I think the evidence is there. And I think that the, what's really shocking is the way American media outlets are essentially buying into what's transparently false Chinese propaganda. Uh, only because they think it'll own the drumpf. And that's just dumb. This is going to come back and bite you, media. It's going to come back and bite you. Play it straight. Play it right down the middle. Don't fudge. 
That's what Fauci does. That's what Dr. Fauci does. Does Dr. Fauci go up and say what Donald Trump wants to hear? Does he say that? Does he go out and say, yes, I agree with Donald Trump on everything? No, he actually disagrees. And, and you can actually see Trump changes his mind to follow Dr. Fauci. That's what we want. Fauci doesn't go in and try and own Trump. He tries to say, this is my best information. This is my best thought. And, and, and he's not right all the time. You know, some of the models are a little off and they'll continue to be off and they'll be adjusted. But he's generally got the right right attitude and people trust him. Because you you look at this guy, who is a liberal Democrat, by the way, in his personal politics, he is not a Trump guy. Okay, he was a big Hillary supporter. But in this time of crisis, he is calling it as he sees it. And he's saying what he thinks needs to be said. And people are responding to that. We're Americans. We're tough. We're smart. We can hear bad news. We'd like to hear good news. But what we need is the news, whether it's good or bad. And a media outlet that figures that out is going to find itself succeeding because people are going to come to it. So that's my my view about that. All right. I want to talk about Stanley McChrystal and leadership. Stanley McChrystal was Lieutenant General, Special Forces guy out of the Army. And uh, he was famously a commander in Iraq and Afghanistan. He famously got fired in Iraq or Afghanistan because he, his staff mouthed off to a Rolling Stone reporter and talked bad about the president. You can't talk about the president when you're a general. You can't have your staff talking bad about the president to a reporter. You can't do that. I'm no fan of Obama. I remember I was at the Army War College in residence uh, when McChrystal was fired. The day he was fired, the moment he was fired, I was literally in the auditorium listening to uh, General David McKiernan. And McKiernan's an interesting guy. He was the general who was fired and McChrystal replaced him. Obama fired McKiernan, politely, but fired him, um, for not getting it done. And... He was on stage when McChrystal was fired. And now one of the things we do at the War College is everything is off the record so they can be clear. And I'm not going to tell you what he was saying but um, at the, or, or anything substantive. At the moment he was fired, somebody stood up, you know, one of the colonels, because we're all colonels. And he said, you know, General uh, McKiernan, I have a question. Uh, yes, Colonel. And he said, uh, Stanley McChrystal's been fired. I just saw it on my phone. Do you have any comment? And McKiernan kind of paused, and I'm not telling you anything out of school. He said, I, I, I'm not going to comment on that right now. Wow. But uh, anyway, McChrystal was fired. McChrystal is a huge favorite of Hugh. He's written a book on leadership. Uh, McK- McChrystal is not a favorite of mine for a number of reasons. I don't like his politics. He's a gun control guy. He's like most general officers. Why would you need an assault rifle? Um, Because I'm an American citizen, damn it. Generals are used to telling people what to do. They're used to hierarchical organizations. And sometimes they find it hard to exist in a decentralized society where individual rights take precedence over the mission. It's a different mindset. And that's why why I'm, I'm not a fan of active duty general officers in positions of political power as a general rule. Uh, See, get general rule. Uh, reserve guys, I'm a little more because they kind of understand how to be a civilian more. Now, I'm not saying he's a bad person. I'm just saying I wouldn't allow him any kind of control uh, over any kind of uh, civilian authority. 
that being said, he had some really interesting ideas about leadership in this time. He's a leadership consultant. He's like, look, look, the guy knows about leadership uh, within organizations and hierarchical organizations. He, he, he goes and advises companies and he has a, a bunch of uh, other retired officers with him. And Hugh had him on this week uh, to talk about how you handle coronavirus. Here's the interesting thing. All the stuff that he said. I agree with. Now, what did, what did he say? He said, you got to be transparent to your people. You have to communicate with your people. You have to walk around and talk to them. Everyone's got to see you as the leader. You have to show you have a plan. You have to show you've got a way towards winning. And I'm, I, I, I'm paraphrasing here. You know, you should go back and listen to Hugh on the universe. And, and listen to what McChrystal said, because it was good stuff. But here's the funny part. And I'm all, I'm all proud and stuff. Um, here's the funny part. I was, listen, I was thinking about, because I, I go walk a couple miles every morning before I go to work, because I can't go to the gym anymore, because apparently if I do, I'm going to die. Um, I was thinking about, okay, how am I going to make sure my law firm functions? Now, I've got about 15, 20 people uh, plus their families who depend on my law firm working. We have got to continue working. We've got to continue billing. We've got to continue serving clients. We've got to continue bringing in income so we can have people. How am I going to help keep this organization going? Now, i got partners, but I'm the military guy, so I'm the, I, I think in the military way. What am I going to do? And what I had been doing and what I resolved to do more was talk to them one-on-one -on -one every day, walk into their office. Hey, Eddie. Now, I don't have an Eddie. Eddie, how are you doing? What kind of challenges are you meeting? Are you getting everything you need? Do you have enough work? Do we need to sit down and talk about what we can work on now? Do we need to redistribute? Or do you have too much that I can give to somebody else? How can we maximize your stuff? Plus, how's your family? How is everybody? Are you doing okay? Is everything okay? Walking in, looking them in the eye as the leader, as the commander. And I used to do that as a colonel. My job was to walk around. I didn't like meetings. Now, McChrystal talked about meetings, but remember, he was a three-star. He had to have meetings. He had 76 uh, bases spread out in Iraq and uh, or Afghanistan, whichever one. And he would do a, an electronic meeting, kind of a digital video meeting with all these groups once a week. And everyone would get to see him. And it would be a lot of people would be watching this. And that way he had transparency. He didn't have the capacity to walk around. As a colonel... You know, I would go to units and I would walk around. I'd go out to a motor pool. I'd go to the storage supply room. I'd go to where the troops were out training. I'd do whatever. I would look them in the eye. Basic leadership one-on-one. -on -one. Where's the leader? Where's our boss? He, oh my gosh, he's here in front of me. I can ask him questions. He seems to care. He's asking me, uh, he's asking me about what I can do, uh, what he can do for me, what I need, what I'm not getting, what's working, what isn't. This is This is good. I know there, and, and, and he's given me a plan. And that's one thing you have to do. And they, these are hints that you ought to take if you have a small business. Okay? This is not just army guys. This is what you should do in business. I'd love to think this is Kurt Schlichter's genius ideas for Leadership 101 that I just invented. In fact, it's 5,000 years old. Roman centurions said this, did the same thing. Hey, Flavius! How's your gladius? Is it sharp?
You know, the crest on your helmet. It's looking a little frayed. Do you need to go to the helmet crest guy? I'll set you up. Hey, tomorrow, when we go fight the Parthians, I'm going to need you to do this, this, and this. But we're going to get through it because we're going to do that, that, and that. At the end of the day, we'll be looting. It'll be awesome. Okay, this is not new stuff. You have to show your guys, A, you care about them. B, you have to show them that you've got a plan. I think that's one thing Trump's doing well. Look, I didn't want to hear April 30th, and not the day I wanted to hear. I want to hear about April 15th. But at least I have a day. At least I can plan. At least I can start to organize my life. At least I know that these guys have some conception that this has got to end. And you can do that for your people. Look, the president says we're going to be in here till April 30th. Here's how I'm going. Here's how this company's going to keep operating. Or, hey, I had to lay you off, but here's when I think I can bring you back. These are the things you have to do. Get out there. Be in front of people. Answer their questions. Show you have a plan. And show that you're optimistic. Now, a lot of people have been giving Donald Trump grief because he's relentlessly optimistic. But what Donald Trump understands that a lot of people in our media don't because our media never led anything. And you can lead in business. And you do lead in business, many of you. Uh, just like you lead in the military. You have to show that there's light at the end of the tunnel. You have to show that your people are working toward something. That your people have a future. That there's a plan. That, that, that that plan is going to lead to success. They've got to have that. Morale is so important. If you don't have morale, the guys never fix bayonets and come out of the hole and charge. If you have no morale, everyone sits around and goes, well, hell, you know, I might as well die here. At least I won't die tired. That's what Donald Trump's doing. saying, oh, well, he's, he's whitewashing everything. He's not whitewashing everything. He's showing you that there's a future. This is what he should be doing. He should be providing hope. There are enough actual facts out there, which we're, uh, no one's hiding. Because, remember, being positive does not mean hiding negative stuff. Being positive, raising morale means confronting the negative stuff. Guys, we're out number two to one. But we're stronger, we're better, we have better artillery, we have better air power, we have better medevac if we're hurt. You know? Oh yeah, it's going to be tough, but we're going to get through this. Hey, the next three weeks are going to be tough. I'm going to have to let you go for two weeks. But boy, when those two weeks are up, I'm going to bring you back. And man, we're going to be cooking after that. You've got to give people hope. If you don't give people hope, you've given up. Morale is everything. Go read Sun Tzu. He's Chinese, but not the kind that, you know, launches a disease that, you know, pretty much destroys half of, uh, you know, Western civilization. Um, so I found that General McChrystal, thing, I, I, I thought it was very useful. And I was, uh, yeah, I, I won't say I was a little smug because... I was doing all the same stuff, but you know, I was in the army for 27 years. I, I like to think I learned a little something and, uh, but it's good advice. So I strongly suggest you go back. If you look, if you're trying to, how do I lead these people? There are people counting on me. How do I do that? Go back and listen to what McChrystal had to say with uh, Hugh Hewitt on, I believe it was Monday, Monday, the 30th. 
I think that was a great, great uh, segment. Now he's had uh, he's had a lot of interesting stuff going on. I'm really interested in Tom Holland's Dominion, and he's and he's parceling it out. But this is basically the uh, the rise of Christianity in the West and how it's affected history, and this kind of corresponds with my current thing, which is uh, Roman history. I would just I, I've been I've been on it. The last week has been devoted to Constantine. Now, Constantine was a Roman Empire of Illyrian, I believe, Illyrian descent. Because by, you know, by the time he got to the third century, the Romans were no longer all Romans. The Roman empires were coming from, you know, up by the Danube, primarily. They were generals. And Constantine uh, was one of these guys. He was not a Roman Roman. But um, he famously, you know, had a vision uh, before a battle in the Civil War that, uh, you know, helped him take power. Uh, you know, in this sign, you will be victorious, we, you know, which was the cross. And there's some controversy over whether it was actually the cross or another symbol. But it was basically, hey, you know, I'm doing, you know, hey, we're doing this fight for Jesus. And of course, he wins. And um, uh, Tom Holland's... Uh, book, Dominion, which Hugh loves, uh, seems really interesting to me because, you know, the the thing about Christianity and history and culture is that it's the one religion where the religion's enemies seem based on Christianity. The idea of individual rights, of individual worth, of civil rights, of natural rights, uh, the idea that every human being has dignity. That was not like a Roman thing. It certainly wasn't a Persian thing. It was barely a Greek thing. I mean, they, they, you know, they, they did not have the same view of human life. The Christians did. Um, it was a radical restructuring, a radical rechanging. And if you look at somebody like even a Karl Marx, who is garbage, and communism is garbage, but it plays along with the idea that people have some sort of individual value. It doesn't play that way in practice. But that there is a moral rationale for protecting their rights. Now, of course, Marxists don't understand rights exactly the same way that, you know, normal human beings do. But in a lot of ways, it steals kind of the premises of Christianity. And, you know, if you look at liberals and they are asserting that every human being has, you know, the right to be whatever gender they want to be. Where would some sort of conception of rights that would allow that idea to exist come from? It has to come from Christianity. It just does. There's, you know, the Romans that go, you're, you're insane. I'm going to, I'm, I'm all cut you now. So I'm looking forward to seeing, hearing the rest of these. I'm probably going to read the book when I have time because I'm, I'm, I'm writing another book. Uh, this book is Crisis, another novel of mine. It'll be my fifth. You should get my other ones too, by the way. Um, 
while you're in, you know, quarantine. You should read People's Republic and all the other ones. Uh, they're actually a lot of fun. So, but but I'm really looking forward to this because I think this is some very interesting stuff, and the way that you know Christianity really changed everything as far as Western civilization. Of course, Western civilization went on to be the model for the world civilization. And I know I'm not supposed to say that. All cultures are the same, but you know, they're not all the same. They're not all the same. There's something about uh, uh, the Christian-influenced cultures that lead to more freedom and more prosperity, including when you graft those ideas onto non-Western cultures. Then, then those cultures start start prospering, at least to the extent that those values have been grafted on. So I think it's very, very interesting. Anyway, we've talked about a lot here. We talked about the media. We talked about some leadership ideas. We talked about Tom Holland and the uh, rise of Christianity and its effect. Um, you know, you can, you, you, you know, it's interesting. It just kind of occurred to me as I'm sitting here. You can really see the effect of Christianity in the response to this disease. You can see the idea of how our Christian-influenced Western civilization reacts within this virus context, this pandemic context, where uh, people are being selfless, People are helping others. People are going out of their way with a sense of community that might not have existed in other civilizations. And why would they do that? Because they believe all human beings have intrinsic dignity, intrinsic worth, intrinsic value, and they're worth preserving. So anyway, that, uh, that little bit will end up this edition of Fighting Words uh, with Kurt Schlichter the Hugh Hewitt affiliated podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. And I hope you tune in to uh, Unredacted every Monday on Town Hall VIP. Check out my Town Hall columns every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. The Wednesday ones for VIP members. You should become a VIP member. And uh, of course, uh, Thursday, April 2nd, I will be with friend of the show, Larry O'Connor and Chris DeGaulle at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m., Pacific time for a little chat. I may or may not be having wine. Okay, I will be having wine. And it will probably work out. We'll probably be working a little blue. So, you know, just be prepared for that. Anyway, thank you for uh, uh, joining me. And I will be talking to you again soon. Thank you so much. Bye.